With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to New York. Devil State of Mind podcast, podcast. Brought, to brought to you by the Hockey, Hockey podcast, podcast, podcast Network. Now, now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano. Woo! What's going on, Devils fans? It's your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast here on the Hockey Podcast network as always thank you guys so much for taking some time out of your day to listen to this one it truly means a lot to me and i hope you guys are ready for an exciting episode for this week because today we are going to be discussing a few of the devil's prospects that are overseas right now playing in several leagues in europe including one that i'm sure a lot of people even you know in in the hockey world here in the united states and north america would know the continental hockey league or the khl But I wanted to discuss a couple of players that are Devils prospects, either signed or not signed as of right now, but are still considered Devils prospects that are playing over there. What to expect from them this season and the possibility that maybe they could be signed and, you know, their future with the New Jersey Devils. And fortunately enough for for me today, I am not alone, as I have a very special guest. It is somebody that I actually have been a, a big fan of for quite some time, somebody who I subscribed to on YouTube uh, definitely a long time ago, and I was very honored and excited to have him on today, and that is none other than Odd Man Rush, who is one of the hosts of the Brits on Bruins, which is the Boston Bruins-based podcast here on the HPN, and also he is one of the hosts of the Euro Puck podcast, which is a new podcast that just finished its second episode this past week, basically covering all hockey that goes on overseas. So if you want to learn more about hockey in Europe, in every place, the UK, Russia, Finland, anywhere in Europe, these guys got you covered. And it was very, it was very enjoyable, without a doubt, to have on Odd Man Rush today. So I want you guys to sit back, relax, and enjoy this really awesome interview with Odd Man Rush from the Euro Puck Podcast. Check it out. All right, Devils fans, well, I have another special guest coming on this edition of the Devil's State of Mind, and I'm going to be honest with you, uh, I've been a fan of this man for a very long time. I've actually been a subscriber to his YouTube channel for a while now, and I, and I remember when I first joined the network, um, I couldn't believe that it was him. I was like, holy, you know, holy crap, like this is like a, in my view, it's like a big celebrity to me, like it was really cool, but it is a pleasure to welcome on 
one of the hosts of Brits on Bruins, as well as the newest podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, the Euro, what is it, the Euro Pod, or I'm just Euro Puck Podcast. The Euro Puck Podcast, and yeah. that is none other than, and some of you may know him from YouTube, and that is Odd Man Rush. Hayden, thank you so much, man, for coming on today. How you doing today? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Thanks for having me, man. Um, I've been going through some of the other podcasts on the network, kind of kind of doing the rounds, trying to get this European podcast open to everyone being like, hey, look, there's a new show on the podcast. Right. Um, I've done, I did the Dallas Stars one last weekend. I just did the Detroit one yesterday. I think I've got the Montreal one a little later today. So I'm making sure I hit as many of the different teams uh, across cool. the conferences as possible, you know? That's great, man. Yeah, you know what? It, it doesn't hurt to, to go out and try to promote as much as possible. And that kind of brings me into my first question for you. Can you talk to us a little bit more about the podcast and what specifically is your guys' goal with this EuroPuck pod podcast? Sure. I mean, the EuroPuck podcast, we started it two weeks ago. And um, we've just, as we're recording this today on Friday, we're, we've just released our second episode. So um, we're, we're very happily got two episodes now in the can out on YouTube, wherever you, else you get your podcasts. It's part of the network. So you should be able to find it quite easily if you listen to the, this show or any other show on the network. Right. Um, essentially, it's myself and my co-host, Chris, who's also my co-host on Brits on Bruins. Um, we're kind of hoping to move away from the Boston Bruins. We've got somebody lined up to take over that as next season kicks awesome. off whenever that is of course right. we don't know yet. whenever we start next year right exactly whenever the whenever the 2020 I've been, that since, I've been asking that from a devil's perspective since april so like i don't even know yeah. when next season is coming yeah i mean especially the, especially for the devils and the other teams that haven't made the playoffs or the playing rounds yeah. or the, the or anything or the round robin series it's right. kind of been a long time coming you guys need some hockey back we, yeah and, you have no like being in this area you know and obviously it's not just devils fans but we have rangers fans that live in our state we have islander fans as well yeah you know, with the islanders it's easier because they're still obviously in the playoffs mm. um but you know with uh, you know the rangers having the number one overall pick and we have, you know, we have a couple of picks in the first round. We just want to get it going because we have a new coach. Yeah. We have a new, you know, we, we're, we're trying to get some new players in. We just want to see hockey again because we just, we just flat out miss it. You know, it, it's a yeah. big thing. For, for sure. And I mean, mentioning hockey being back and kind of missing it, now's a really good time to kind of hop on the European bandwagon if anybody's interested in it because the Russian or the KHL, primarily Russian, they have teams also in Latvia, Belarus, Finland, yep. uh, China, that their league literally began this Wednesday. So they're, they've got games going on as we're recording really? this okay. today. Um, they've got games pretty much every day for the next few months. Mm -hmm. um, essentially, uh, Chris and I at the Europuck podcast, we've wanted to be like, look, we want to talk about European hockey. We're two Europeans. We're some of the only Europeans, if the only Europeans on the network. So we thought, we, we went to the, manager of the, uh, the managers of the network and we went, look, we've done a pretty good job with this Bruins yeah. podcast. You seem to be quite happy with what we've been doing. How about you give us another podcast? And they were right. like, fine, all right, go on then. So um, yeah, we're doing this podcast. Basically, to sum it up, it's a very broad topic, but we're, we're basically talking about all things European hockey. Um, we're essentially every sort of episode or every sort of week we're introducing the new leagues I know a lot of we have a lot of listeners from North America especially on the network that might not know too much about the European leagues there's other Europeans that don't know too much about other European leagues in the Ooh. continent so um, this week for example the episode we just uploaded we talked a lot about the KHL because that's the biggest league in Europe um, but we also talked about the Polish league that's starting up which is a lower tier league within um, within Europe. Um, they have a place in the Champions Hockey League every year. 
But okay. they're one of those sort of lower tier leagues. So we, we were like, you know what? We want to make sure we give all of the different leagues that start up a bit of love and make sure they get the recognition they deserve, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's great because there's so much hockey going on all over the world, not just here in North America, but everywhere. And it's important to shed light on those areas that maybe the major media doesn't, you know, go after. And I think that's great because I look back to the last Winter Olympics that we had, the NHL didn't have its players there. So we had a lot of players from the other leagues in Europe playing for those countries. And I think a lot of us got a chance to really learn. One thing I can say about one of our major um, international players is Nikita Gusev. He played yes. for, I guess what they called it, the Russian Athletes Federation. Yeah, Olympic yeah. Athletes from Russia, I think it was the right. official title of them, yeah. Exactly, and he was, on, he was on that team and he really lit it up. And that was kind of the first time that people got to know who Nikita Gusev was. Nobody really knew who he was because maybe not a lot of people watch the KHL. I watch the KHL primarily because Pavel Datsuk is, I think he's still playing. I he think. is, yeah. yeah. If, if you want the exact numbers, he played yesterday. Um, he is the captain of Avto Mobilist Yekaterinburg, if you want the official pronunciation. They usually go by the name Avto. Um, he's 42 okay. years old now. Um, I was just having this conversation on the uh, the uh, Detroit Red Wings podcast yesterday. Yeah. Uh, the host there, Matt, is a huge Datsuk fan. Datsuk's one of the reasons I became a hockey fan. So, like, seeing his highlights on YouTube Probably. like 10 years ago, loved it. Yeah. Um, he's he's um, the main reason why I became a fan of SK St. Petersburg in the KHL, which at the time that I started following the KHL, he was the captain of that team. Right. And it's, it's a good thing you mentioned Gusev. Gusev was also on that team, as right. was Ilya Kovalchuk as yeah. well as Igor Shesterkin, who's the New York Rangers uh, right. uh, netminder now. I, I cannot sing enough high praises about Nikita Gusev. I really like him as a hockey player. He, he was back-to-back -back MVP in the KHL before he came over to North America. He, like, one, I, I knew that he kind of struggled a little bit out of the get-go last that season to all. kind of adjust a little bit. But once he kind of got into the rhythm of North American hockey and kind of got a good sense of what the NHL was all about. Right. He picked things up a bit and he's going to be a great player for the Devils over the next few years. I have no doubt whatsoever. Right. Well, you know, we already have like two nicknames for him. You know, it took him less than a, you know, less than a season to already gain, gain two nicknames. I think one of them is the magic man or the magician. It's one of those. Um, yeah, because, because Datsuks is the magic Datsuks man. So the, the, magic is the magician. Man. Yeah. Yeah. It's something like that. It w and then also we just call him goose. Cause obviously yeah. that's, it makes sense. <laughs> For me, I actually have my own nickname for him. I call him the Russian Rifle. You know, we had the Russian Rocket, you yeah. know, and obviously I, I call him the Russian Rifle because I said that he has a wrist shot that I have never seen before. I've never seen yeah. a guy have that much accuracy. And even Devils players this season throughout the year said, we've never been around a guy this talented, like this mm. talented in practice. And he did struggle early on, but obviously it came from he's learning the American game. He's, you know, the ice is much smaller. He doesn't have as much room to, to make plays. Also, yeah, yeah. he didn't have the greatest coaching, in my opinion, but mm. I've talked about that. And Devils fans, you know I talk about it all the time <laughs> on the podcast, so we don't have to go into that again. But as the season progressed, he got better and better and better to the point where he was arguably the best, you know, best player on the team for a while there, mm. especially towards the end of the year. And so it's really exciting. Obviously, he's on the last year of his two-year contract. Um, hopefully, the Devils re-sign him. I don't know if he's considered to be in their plans for the next couple of years. I hope so, because I think he, he needs that. you know, we need a player like him on this team. And it's, you know, it, it's great. And I like that you, you had to bring up Ilya Kovalchuk. He's kind of like the player we shall not name on, <laughs> uh, in New Jersey. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, 
it, it was cool. Um, you know, and, and it's just really – I'm really fascinated by the KHL because I consider it the second-best hockey league in the world behind the as, as do a lot of people right. as do a lot of people i do as well personally yeah definitely right and so you know my my question to you about just the khl in general is that how how can people in north america get a better opportunity to watch these games because obviously the time difference can be a little bit of a concern i remember mm. back in the sochi olympics there were times where you know one time i, I had to get up at like four o'clock in the morning to see Andrzej kopitar Play for yeah. Slovenia. I think it was Slovenia, and he had to, you know, you know, I had to wake up that early just to watch the game. You know, is there a way that that fans can, you know, is there like an official way or like a really easy way that fans can watch these games to kind of get to learn about this league and the players that are in it more? I think it's good that you bring up sort of the early mornings or the late nights because as <laughs> European hockey fans watching the NHL, like. We know that struggle. I, I mean, for the last sort of seven, eight years, the amount yeah. of times I've stayed up till like 3.30 in the morning. Just Did you happen to stay, wake up early for either of the games yesterday? Uh, no, I mean, I mean, we didn't have to wake up too early. It was more of a case of like, because like, the problem is if you haven't got a team still in the playoffs with, with, with obviously the, the NHL playing rounds and everything, right. it, it kind of gives you an excuse not to stay up to watch it. Because you're like, oh, I don't have to stay up till three thirty. I'm like, oh, I'd love to watch. I'd love to watch, you know, the Golden Knights uh, against the Canucks. But you know, yeah. oh, but like, I do kind of need to go to sleep because I've got to right. be a productive human being the next day. You know. Right. Um, but in in terms of the KHL, um, the best way to watch it, I'm not too sure about how, uh, the best way to watch it in North America because I'm obviously based here in England. Right. The best way to keep up to date with everything is the um, it's uh, at KHL underscore ENG. They have an English account. English-speaking okay. account. They have a Russian-speaking account as well. But I've, I've followed the KHL English account for the last few years. Um, they're really good. They're obviously, they do what you would expect from a social media for a hockey league. You know, all of the scores. All, they have, obviously, highlights of really good goals and everything. Mm -hmm. And because the league only started up again a couple of days ago, you've got plenty of hockey to kind of look forward to. Um, kind of the first day of the season, they had um, the two finalists from the 2019 playoffs kick things off. They do it where they usually, um, the last year's playoff finalists for the Gagarin Cup, which is their Stanley Cup, um, named after Yuri Gagarin, the, uh, what's his name, the astronaut. Um, oh, cool. Because he was the first uh, person in the world in space. He was a Russian right. guy. So yeah, so yep. after Yuri Gagarin. Um, so they usually do the first day, they have like this opening cup as well. I'm not quite sure why they do that, but you know, it's the KHL. Let, let, let that feels like the, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big soccer fan as well. And I watch, you know, Premier League all the time. That feels like the same, like the Community Shield game where they have yeah. the Premier League champion versus the FA Cup champion to kind of mm. kick off the season, so to speak. That kind of sounds yeah. like the same thing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But it's um, the finalists of the playoffs, essentially. So okay. obviously the 2020 playoffs were postponed, cancelled, whatever you want to call it due to uh, the current situation, obviously. Um, and uh, these, uh, these two teams were the finalists for um, the 2019 playoffs. So they decided, you know what, we'll just get the 2019 finalists, get them to kick things off. That was the only game of that day. And funnily enough, Andre Markov, former um, Montreal Canadiens defenseman, was in attendance at that game. Um, and because uh, they had about 3,000 fans there for about a 10,000 fan arena. So that was so going to be my next question. Did they actually yeah. have fans at the game? Wow. Uh, as From what I can remember, from what I've seen on sort of social media and, and official um, uh, Twitters and stuff, there is 
three arenas, I think, in the 23-team league that aren't having fans this season. The rest of them okay. are having reduced fans. It obviously depends on where the teams are based. Obviously, there's a team in Finland, there's a team in Belarus, Latvia, mostly Russia, but, you know, obviously depends on the certain regulations right. from the country and stuff, doesn't it? So, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, you know, that's great because, like, that was kind of like, going to be my next question to our fans uh, attending. And, and, I mean, it's great that, obviously, not just in hockey but other sports – um, again, you know, big soccer fan, I, I've seen already that there are certain countries that are allowing fans to come back. And that that's good because, uh, you know, it, it's not the same here in the United States where yeah. we're well behind everyone else, in my opinion. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it's it's good that in, in the world out view that we're starting to see a lot of improvement. And I think that's that's really good. So now I kind of want to jump into some of the prospects within the sure. Devils organization that are playing overseas in Europe. Um, and the first guy that I want to bring up is somebody that I feel like most people didn't even realize the Devils had in their system is Igor Zaitsev, who is a defenseman who at the moment plays for Dynamo Mosk- Moskva in the KHL. Uh, did I say that right, by the way? Did I say? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, you can either call it Dynamo Moskva or Dynamo Moscow because it's the same place. It's just Moskva Mos- is the way that the Russians pronounce it. So. Okay, cool, cool. Because essentially, there's for some reason, they have three different teams in Moscow. Yeah. They have CSKA Moscow, they have Spartak Moscow, and they have Dynamo Moscow. So right. pick your poison, essentially, with your Moscow teams. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. I mean, hey, look, there's nothing wrong with having multiple teams in one area. I mean, I, exactly. live, in, I live in the New York metropolitan area. We have multiple teams in the same sport that play Very in the, that play in the city. Yeah. So it, 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 you, you can pick what you want. But Zaitsev is a 2017 seventh-round pick, picked 205th overall. Last season, he played in 58 games in he scored i think three goals 11 assists for 14 points and as of right now he is an unsigned player which one thing i think devils fans and just hockey fans need to understand is that just because you're drafted doesn't necessarily mean you're probably going to end up being signed because you have i think it's like a three-year window of you can play unsigned and then the team has to make a choice either they sign you or they just let you go and you can be reinstated into the draft if you're eligible or you would just be a free agent that can sign with anybody. Yeah. Uh, one guy I like to use is uh, Jimmy Vesey, who was one of yeah. the top college players at the time. And he was originally taken by Buffalo, didn't want to go to Buffalo, and then made himself a free agent. And I'm, I mean, the Rangers ended up signing him. And then ironically, he got traded to Buffalo. So it was <laughs> like he kind of yeah. couldn't avoid it even if he tried. But that's kind of the example that I, I use. Um, I think also Holcher, who was a uh, prospect with the Devils, was originally drafted but now is a free agent. I think he's going back into the NHL draft because he is technically, you know, he, the Devils didn't sign him basically. But talk to us a little bit more about Igor Zaitsev. Sure. I mean, like you mentioned, a seventh-round pick. So – the what you mentioned about sort of players going unsigned as you would imagine is very common for the lower ranked prospects in every draft seventh round picks will very often go unsigned because you know the final round is kind of they're not the top of anybody's draft board some you, right. you, there, there could be the argument that they're just kind of being picked for the sake of being picked right some 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 teams might look deep deep into the draft i mean the new jersey devils they're kind of similar to the the detroit red wings in a lot of ways they've had experience of picking some decent guys later on in the draft so you know they, they have they have good experience uh, especially sort of when right. all of the russian players started coming over all of those decades ago you know like finding those experienced good players deep in the draft that a lot of other people might have passed on so 
being picked by the Devils late in the in, late, late in the draft isn't necessarily a knock on any of these players. But it's, it's interesting right. that you mentioned that um, uh, Zaitsev is playing for uh, Dynamo Moscow because also another guy in the Devil system, which I'm sure we'll get onto in a moment, uh, Nikita Popogayev. I think he was actually the name. next guy I wanted to talk about. Perfect. Yeah. yeah so also, because he just signed with them this year because he played for the Adirondack Thunder of the East Coast Hockey League, which is the another one of the Devils minor league teams. It's the it's the minor league of the minor league, so to speak. Yes, Everybody it's, the, yeah, it's, like, it's like the third tier league. Yeah. I call it like I say it like this. You know, the the Binghamton Devils are like AAA. I use baseball for to kind of explain sure. it. The you know the AAA team is the Binghamton Devils. You know, that's the team that just before the NHL. You're right there. The AA is the ECHL. I, I mean, yep. you can call it a combination of AA and single A of players yep. that you know they you know you technically they are part of the Devils. It's just, you know, they're, they're in the lower tier that maybe need a lot more time to develop, you know, and just need to get accustomed to the game. I, I think that's something that you, I think that's a really good point to make about all the prospects we're going to look at, to be honest, bar maybe one of them, which we're going to come to probably towards the end, who's obviously gone on loan to Europe as opposed to signed with the teams. Which is a thing, um, by the way, Devils fans. So it's not, I just wanted to clarify that as well, because some Devils fans who got the message from the Devils organization that we had put several players on loan, everybody thought that we were losing them. Like, oh, we were just giving them away. It's like, no, no, no. No. Because the NHL season isn't starting till maybe next January. You know, these guys, they need to be in game shape. They need to be ready to go. So this is an opportunity for them to go overseas and play because their season just started. Exactly. And I think it's important to mention that, say, if the NHL does start their season January, February, the KHL will be halfway through their season. They'll be at the All-Star game at that point. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like we're talking, forget the fact that they're getting ready for the NHL season. They're going to want ice time regardless. Mm -hmm. Whether they're thinking about making the NHL this season or not, they want to play 20 minutes a game, you know, as a defenseman in one of the best leagues in Europe. Yeah, it's not the same thing as kind of going to an NHL training camp, but Mm -hmm. it's essentially the the next best thing. And kind of relating it to the KHL, uh, Igor uh, Zaitsev, I should say, um, 14 points as a 21-year-old in the KHL on the back end. That's a pretty impressive season. He was on a team that had a stacked first line. Vadim Shipachov, some of you might remember his... Shipachov, wow. I remember that name. He he was the top point scorer in the KHL last season. He has been a solid, solid player in the KHL throughout his career. In my personal opinion, I think he was kind of shafted by the Vegas Golden Knights. I don't think they really gave him a true opportunity to kind of show what he was. And it shows, I mean, him and I think it was Dimitri Yaskin that he was playing with, the former St. Louis Blue. Mm-hmm. Um, they just destroyed the KHL for a lot of the season. Yeah. Um, it's kind of those two, the front runners in terms of point scorers. And then there was obviously the um, highly touted next coming of Jesus, essentially, in Minnesota, Kirill Kaprizov. He was you know, you like know Isha is, is just so, you just can't wait to get him over to the United States. Yeah. I know that he has a lot of hype coming in and I'm interested to see if he can live up to said hype. I mean, he was playing on a stacked CSKA Moscow team and they won a Gagarin cup in 2019. He won back-to-back MVPs and a top scorer trophy. Like he's the real deal. Like he is a solid hockey player. He's very much similar to Gusev, very similar kind of accolades, very similar kind of um, journeys through the KHL. Obviously Gusev came up primarily through the St. Petersburg, system which is my favorite KHL team but Moscow has been a 
kind of the the KHL is very much like a top heavy league. You have the CSKA Moscow's Dynamo Moscow, which two of these prospects are on SKA St. Petersburg, Akbar's Kazan, uh, Metalurg Magnitogorsk. Like you have some of those. Those are kind of like the big hitters every single year. They're going to make the playoffs. They're yeah. going to have a good run. You expect to see Moscow and SKA St. Petersburg going at it in the conference finals every year. And right. then you have some of the like the sort of sixth to eighth seeds in the Eastern Western Conference are kind of a toss up between. 12 different teams you know so so it's getting better because they've introduced a hard salary cap for this season which of course of all the seasons to choose they choose Mm -hmm. the one where the financial issues are probably going to affect everybody the most but um you know that's just the khl's luck um but yeah i I think zaitsev could be a pretty solid player and i it's it's good that you mentioned the fact that these guys haven't been lost by the devils right i think it's important to mention that every single other nhl team is doing this as well it's not just the devils it's not just a couple of teams all of these teams have european prospects and if they're being told by the nhl look we're probably not going to start our season till january february send them all over get let them get ice time let them right. refine their game overseas a lot of them might be going home for example i i gave this example to um the, the detroit podcast yesterday when we recorded it yeah. a lot of these guys they may be still struggling to get the english language they may be struggling with the north american game like some of these guys coming over from the Czech Republic or Russia or Finland or Sweden, like yeah. it's a huge culture change for these players. They're coming yeah. over. They might not know the language very well. They're used to potentially a, a larger ice surface. Although a lot of the KHL teams are kind of adjusting their ice surfaces towards the NHL side. Okay. So there, there's a bit more transparency there with some of the teams, but not everybody. So it depends okay. which team you play for. Right. And it's, it's, it's very much a case of like, these guys, you, you don't know how much good them going home for half a season and kind of seeing their friends and family again and playing in front of their home crowd and being comfortable where they are again and kind of just, there's no pressure on them. They can just kind of let loose and play hockey. That could do wonders for some of these guys' um, kind of uh, potential and their, their future seasons as hockey players. And especially for some of these these uh, Devils prospects, I, mm-hmm. I think this could do the world of good, especially because a lot of them are kind of late around picks that need yeah. a few more years to develop, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that I, I should mention as well is that there are actual NHL players, like guys who are, you know, veterans in the league that have actually signed contracts with the KHL. If you go mm-hmm. back to the lockout uh, prior to the start of the 2013 season, I think it was 2012-13 season, yeah. when we, we started the year kind of slow, there were a lot of players that went over to the KHL and played a bunch to keep themselves in shape if and when the NHL was going to actually come back. And it, and it ended up doing so. Um, you know, when Ilya Kovalchuk was still with the Devils, he still, you know, also had a contract in the KHL as well. So during the lockout, he went over and played in Russia while, you know, we were waiting for the NHL season to start. So these players, they have options to go to other places, and they've worked out deals between the NHL and the KHL that they kind of work in this, I guess you would call it a group effort of saying, hey, we're just trying to produce the best players and we're trying to help each other out. And I think that that's really important because then you're you're talking about the two most popular high-profile leagues of hockey in all of the world, and I think that that's a really good thing. Now – you had mentioned the next guy that I wanted to talk about in um, Nikita Popugayev. I think I said his name wrong, probably. That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to say it right. You know, sometimes the way it's pronounced by the people in charge of the Devils may not be totally correct. Yeah. So I try my best yeah. to get it 
to say it correctly, but he also just signed with Dynamo. He was in, like I mentioned before, he was with the Adirondack Thunder of the ECHL. He is a 2017 fourth-round pick, 98th overall, and last year with the Thunder, he played in 47 games with nine goals, 16 assists, and 25 points, which honestly I thought is I thought was pretty productive considering yeah. how young he is. And he did. He was actually one of the last cuts in last year's training camp. He was on the Devils for a while during training camp. So kind of like Ty Smith, he's one of these guys that even though he may not have a big profile name and wasn't a, you know, a first round pick or anything like that, he he definitely has potential. He also can play both on the right and left side uh, of the wing, which definitely would help the devils because we need some more wingers. So talk to us a little bit more about Nikita because this kid seems like he could really, you know, develop into something really good. I I think he could be a solid bottom six slash top nine forward for Mm -hmm for the New Jersey Devils, if that's the way they want to use him. Because, I mean, you look at his his numbers uh, over the last few years, The other than his stint in the ECHL last season, which, you know, is kind of against the third-tier talent. It's it's still a respectable league, don't get me wrong, but if you're wanting to make the uh, the NHL, it's kind of like if you're if you're playing in that league and you're not as young as a guy like Popagayev is, then you're, you're thinking, okay, maybe I'm not. Maybe I need to work a little bit harder to or, or get a bit of puck luck, you know, going right. my way. But I mean, he had he. The interesting thing about him is he actually came and played junior in North America in the WHL, which I find quite interesting. Right. A lot of a lot of Russian guys like to stay at home and kind of work their way up the Russian system. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's different for every player. You know, like every player has their their specific type of way they want to develop, yeah. and you never know like what's going on in in their personal lives also. So, um, I mean, looking at his stats, then he's not a big point producer in terms of when he's playing in the AHL or the KHL or the VHL. The VHL is kind of Russia's AHL. Uh, It's the the Supreme Hockey League, but it's it's called the VHL for some reason. I think it's because that's what Supreme is in Russian. I'm not 100% sure. But um, yeah, he's, he's, he's not the most productive player, but I mean, you've got a guy that's six foot six, 216 pounds. Like you could probably see maybe not so much to this extent, but like a Brian Boyle type of player, you know, like a, a big tall guy that knows his role on a team that can throw the body a lot, that Mm -hmm. can be responsible in his own zone. And the fact that he was a fourth round pick, he was picked in the first 100 players, like of all the players taken in 2017, he was a top 100 player of his age group. Like that's, that's nothing to like scoff at or laugh at, you know, like that's, that's a pretty impressive track record. And I think he hasn't, he played in the KHL during the 1819 season. He scored one point in 36 games, which obviously he's now had experience playing in the AHL and the ECHL. So he's got that North American experience. He's obviously matured a little bit more because yeah. last time he played back in his home country, he was 19. He's now 21. So right. he's going to be 22 soon in, in the next couple of months. So getting back over to the KHL with a team that is a consistent playoff contender. Mm-hmm. Get him some ice time, similar to Zaitsev, and let's see how they do, you know? Like, the sky's the limit for some of these guys if they produce well. What I like about it is that he's going to a team, like you mentioned, like Dynamo, that, that's very stacked and very, very talented. So mm. it might help him in the standpoint of being around a team that's very good, that plays well together as a team, and it might help him when he gets back to America to, to you know, really understand the game. And if he becomes a Brian Bull type guy, that's fine with me because we, we have lacked – um, especially since we, we let go of, of Brian Boyle. We've lacked a guy that could just stand in front of the goalie during a power yeah. play and just be that big presence that's really hard to get to, to move. When Brian Boyle and also Patrick Maroon were with the team uh, a couple years ago, 
that was their big thing. They were really good at standing in front of the net, being the big players that they are, and making it difficult for the goalie to really see on the power play. So if we can get a guy or two like that to, to be on our team, even you know a couple of years from now, that just is, is, a very, is a very positive to me. Because I think you need to have every single type of player on your roster, both on your forwards as well as your defensemen, and is and also with your goaltenders, maybe to a lesser extent. But that but that's really important. Um, and I like that we're talking about this because again, a lot of Devils fans have been talking about recently over the last 24, 48 hours about big name free agents and guys who are available in trade that we all would love to see the Devils get. You know, we're talking about. Patrick Laine, Johnny Gaudreau, you know, got Max Domi, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I get that because obviously when you have an opportunity like that, you want to try to make your team better. But I also say, well, the other thing is that we have some young players that in a year or two, and I know Devils sometimes, especially that we were told to be patient five years ago, and our patience may have run a little bit thin over the last couple of years. You know, in the next two or three years, some of these guys that we're talking about might really come over to the NHL and be really productive, maybe not at the top six role, but even on the bottom six being productive, I think that would, you know, to have four lines of, uh, of really good depth, I think is a very big positive um, for a team and makes a team really good. I, I completely agree in that regard. I mean, I, I'm very much un, uh, under the mindset of, having players that know their role in the bottom six and do that well is just as important as having your point scoring superstars, your stay at home defensemen, your top two D men, your starting net mind. You're like, like you mentioned, you need every single player on your roster, knowing exactly what their role is on that roster and doing it down to a T that's how you get Stanley cup championship rosters. And mm -hmm. I, I think for some of the, some devils fans that might be thinking, Oh, why, we, we waited a long time to have a, you know, a, a team mm -hmm. that's kind of competed. At the same time, like, they've been a team kind of, if we talk sort of 2000 to 2015, they were a team that competed a lot. They had a lot of strong players, Hall of Fame players on their roster. Yep. And one of the things you have to do in order to keep that going is sacrifice the future. Now, obviously, the, the, the future has kind of caught up to them a little bit. Right. And you're thinking, okay... We're not in the best position, but this is this is just the next stage in the cycle of winning Stanley Cups. Like you've got the trophies in the cabinet, you've had Hall of Fame players, you've got gone out and won the Stanley Cup year after year. You've had a Hall of Fame best goaltender ever in Martin mm -hmm. Brodeur. Like obviously, like you, you, he's he's going to help you win a championship any year. Let's be honest. But yeah, um, yeah. now you're obviously in the position where, okay, we need to kind of re restock the cupboard a little bit, get more players and prospects in the system before we build a legitimate team together, and. Obviously, they might be looking at their um, their rivals in the new uh, the New York Rangers and how they've done things. Uh, you could kind of make the argument that they pulled the plug because I, I, I know this might be a little bit sacrilegious to say on this show, but I am a New York Rangers fan myself. No, I know, I know. You yeah. you, you mentioned it. You mentioned yeah. it in public, and I, and my heart broke because I was like, oh, come <laughs> on, because you because like, you cover the Bruins, so like my. My thinking was that you were a Bruins fan, but yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. not everybody on this show, not everybody, you know, is a fan of certain teams, but you know, we, we keep it going nonetheless. Exactly. And like, just because you're a fan of a team doesn't mean you can look at things objectively and go, look, 
uh, you've got to take off the tinted glasses because right. you know, especially when you're talking about teams on something like the hockey podcast network yeah it's great to talk about how great your team is yeah we've got alexei lafreniere and everything like that but at the same time like yeah, exactly like the <laughs> devils have had more two, than that right yeah exactly like the, the the devils have had two first overall picks recently and they've got some pretty decent players are they are they the Connor McDavid's and the Austin Matthews of the first overall? Of course no. not. But that, that doesn't mean that they're not going to turn into those type of players eventually. The, the one thing that everybody said about the, the last draft, the 2019 draft, and we saw it with Jack Hughes, Capo Caco, and Kirby Dak, they were guys that the first year, they're not going to have those same incredible seasons as the Matthews or the McDavid's. Yep. But you give them a year or two and they'll be that kind of upcoming emerging star players. Right. The, the good example that MSG always use, because I love watching Sam DeRozan and Joe Micheletti call <laughs> Rangers games. They are my go-to always. Really? Um, okay, always, there you go. It's always very good to have Ken Danico on there as well. He gives a, he gives a good opinion on there. I do like Danico he's on just, MSG he, as well. He's a smart hockey guy. There's no question about it. Mr. Devil Absolutely. is a smart guy. Absolutely. Um, I, they always talk about a guy like Andrei Sveshnikov and how kind of his first rookie season, his rookie season in the league, wasn't quite a, what some people might have been hoping for from a second overall pick. But right. this year, he's, he's emerged as a superstar, you know? Like, he's a solid point-producing player. He's set loads of franchise records for youngest player to do this and youngest player to do that. Like, he's, he's a solid player. And I feel like Hughes, uh, Kako, and Dak kind of fit more into that category, where just give them a year or two, make sure they... they um, are within the, the right sort of system and the right sort of circumstance and you'll see those guys flourish and I kind of wanted to bring this up when we were talking about Gusev Gusev is a really good role model for guys like Nico Hisha and Jack Hughes like Ooh. he's a guy that's like I've had to kind of work my way to get up to this point I obviously he only made the NHL a, a year or two ago right but it's like it doesn't matter if you start later in this league if you've got the fundamentals there and you refine your game you can still be a star as Gusev right. is showing you know one of the things that I remember reading about Gusev is that Gusev early on in his career was what nobody really thought that he was going to be as talented as he is. He is one of those guys that really had to work to get to be as talented in his understanding of the game of hockey as he is. And now he, he's giving himself another big challenge coming to North America, really not knowing English at all. You know, he knows a little bit. We've heard it a couple times, but yeah. he's slowly but surely learning the, you know, when Alex Ovechkin came over, he didn't know a lick of English. No, he, had exactly. to, he, he had to, and then after he learned English, his, one of his best friends, Alexander Semin, had to come over, and Ovi had to teach him how to speak English. Like, this yep. is just the thing, you know, and it's, it's important to understand. And what I like that you said about Jack Hughes is, you know, because everybody wants to say, oh, he's a bust, he's a bust, he's a bust. He, he's played one year. He hasn't yep. played a full season. His coach got fired. His GM got fired. His, you know, the, the franchise player at the time got traded. Oh, and then there was a pandemic that prevented the rest of the season from happening. So yeah. I don't think you can think of any more of a crazy, unpredictable year for a first overall pick than, than, than Jack Hughes. You know, Nico was a little bit easier because he played all 82 games and we made the playoffs and everything was good. And, you know, what's interesting also is that there were a couple of guys that were drafted after Nico in 2017, Miro Heiskanen, Kale McCarr. They weren't, you know, projected to be these tremendously, unbelievably talented players that they are now. And McCarr did not come to the NHL, I think, until a year or two later after he got drafted. Yeah. His first NHL game in the playoffs scores a goal. Miro yeah. Heiskin, arguably one of the best up-and-coming defensemen and a big reason that the Dallas Stars are, 
well, I mean, they were up three games to one, but, you know, they can still somehow <laughs> pull this out yep, today. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen, but yeah. that's just my opinion on it. But nonetheless, you know, we, we're talking about Miro Heiskanen all the time. Like, Pierre Maguire is talking about him all the time. Because why? He's a talented player. And I know people are not Pierre Maguire fans. I get that. But still, <laughs> legit, this is a legit NHL player. So just because you don't come out like guns blazing the first game you play in, like having four goals in your first NHL game like Austin Matthews did, mm. you know, it, it doesn't mean that you're automatically a bust. You got to give a guy three, four years to develop. I remember last week I, I kind of went over Nico's first three years in the NHL. Even though his points have dropped every single year, he's still a very talented player that I said, if put in the right position, could be like a Patrice Bergeron, a, a seven-trophy yep. type player. Yep. And Definitely. that's fine with me. If that yep. means that he is like that, cool. Like, we need yep. that. We need every type of player. So, you know, it all just depends on the player, the situation that they're in, and not everybody is just automatically 100% gifted at what they do. They need to work hard to get to that point, you know, and, and then that's just the way I look at it. Oh, yep, definitely. I mean, I think because we've had a few drafts over the last half a decade where we've seen guys like Connor McDavid, kind of the next coming of Wayne Gretzky to some people, and we've seen uh, Austin Matthews, and like you mentioned, his, his debut in the NHL being this huge success, historical night. Even though they even lost. Like, especially a lot of younger fans will think, oh, so all first overall picks are supposed to be like this. And then when a first overall pick doesn't necessarily have that type of season, they think, oh, well, this guy was awful. He's terrible. And everybody likes to think in the here and now. These guys are 18, 19 years old when they come into the NHL. Right. The guys like Conor McDavid, we knew what we were getting with him. We knew he was like a once-in-a-generation kind of player. He was touted as a once-in-a-generation kind of player. But that's the point. He's a once-in-a-generation kind of player. You're not going to find many more like that. Because you can't say every single number one pick is a once-in-a-generational player because that's just not factually correct. Exactly. Every single first overall pick is regarded by some or at least most, if not all, as the best player of their age group. Not once-in-a-generation, right. not best player of, of, the, of the last decade, the best player of their age group. Are they expected to be solid NHL players? Absolutely. Are they expected to have 10, 15-year NHL careers, win a Stanley Cup, lead their franchise to glory? Of course they are. That's why a team would want that kind of player with the first overall pick. For some, it spans out a lot better than others. But you've also got to remember the, the, the Devils, the two guys that they picked first overall, they're guys that, they're not necessarily long-term projects, but they're kind of, they're kind of they need to mature a little bit. They're right. guys that, you know, they're going to be solid players. And you could see that as a blessing for the New Jersey Devils in the sense that you've got a bit of time in the window to build a nice team around them yes. so that when guys like Heesha and Hughes break out, you've got a solid roster ready to compete for a Stanley right. Cup championship, which is what you want at the end of the day, right? Exactly. And, you know, look, the thing is, is that what makes the situation for us so interesting is that we're rebuilding, but we already have many of the pieces already there. We, we're not exactly. starting this year like, okay, we're going to draft our franchise play. No, like we already have Nico Heeshear and Jack Hughes. And we have other really good players like Jesper Bratt, like Nikita yep. Gusev, like mm -hmm. Kyle Palmieri, even though he's on the older side. But yep. nonetheless, like you have – we have the pieces. We're in a situation where we could just add a couple more young players to our roster and get an offensive system that works – we're going to be fine within the next two or three years. We're going to be competing again. So 
we're in a very interesting spot. And the other thing that I just want to point out is this. In both the years that Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews were drafted, Devils fans, you have to understand, they were the consensus number one overall pick. There was no other debate. There was yeah. no other like, oh, well, what about this guy? In both the year Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer were drafted, there were questions. With Nico, it was, do you draft Nico or Nolan Patrick? When yeah. it was last year, do you draft Jack Hughes or Capo Caco? We had yep. these debates all the time. There was no consensus number one overall pick. This year, going into 2020, you could say probably there's not that much of an argument that Alexis Lafreniere isn't the number one overall player. Oh, he's, he's, he's definitely the number one overall pick. No. I mean, Quinton Byfield, don't get me wrong, he is a solid hockey player, but there's just kind of it, – it's similar to, like you mentioned, the, the Matthews, Line A debate, the McDavid. Who was taken second overall after McDavid? Uh, Jack Eichel. That's it. Jack Eichel by I mean, Buffalo, which people yeah. forget. People forget the second player in that draft was Jack Eichel. Yeah, exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong. Jack Eichel is now like he's now an NHL superstar. It took him a few years to get there. He's been a good player since he entered the league. But now we're talking like top 10, top 15 player in the National Hockey League. It took him a few years to get there. See how he sure if you give him another year or two and Jack Hughes, if you give him another two or three years, see where they're at. They might be at the same place. And then the New Jersey Devils are rocking and rolling, you know? And look, the Devils obviously show their confidence in Nico by giving him a seven-year extension. They clearly believe that he is the guy for this team. Jack Hughes has two years left on his entry-level deal. That's a lot of time. That's why it's usually three, four years on the entry-level deal because by that point, you can make your decision. Okay, is he, you know, can he get better? Is he getting better? Or do we have to just, you know, you know, bite the bullet and just say, you know what, we, we failed on this one. And there have been a lot of first overall picks that have failed, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. It is not a guarantee, okay? You can really – you don't even have to go – how about Neil Yakupov? Let's go for this past decade. Neil Yakupov. Yeah. Everybody yeah. thought he was the second coming of Jesus. And well, he, everybody in Edmonton. Everybody in Edmonton, <laughs> right. And how many times has Edmonton had the first overall pick? Like four, Too five? Many. Like, Too many. You know, and was Ryan Nugent Hopkins a once-in-a-generational player? No, but he's very good. He's, he's a solid player. Good. He's a solid right. second-line center. But you could say the same about Nico Heesha. I think he's going to – I think Heesha's going to top out as a very, very solid second-line center. Very Bergeron-esque in the fact that he's going to be a 200-foot player. That's fine. Yeah, that's... Having your first overall pick being a Ryan Nugent Hopkins is not a knock at all. No, it's a, not. A player. It's just that, like, when expectations, particularly from fans, is so high, if they don't get to that point, they're automatically considered a disappointment, which is, which is wrong. You know, one of the things that people say is that, oh, the Devils chose Pavel Zaka over Matt Barzell, which yeah. obviously, yeah, I know that kind of sucks because look yeah. at how Matt Barzell is doing with the New York Islanders. But it's always, how could have anybody projected that? I mean, how could have anybody figured that out? Like, it's. I mean, I mean, if 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 you want to take that argument, I mean, in the year two thousand or two thousand three or whatever it was, every single team passed on Henrik Lundqvist. Every single team passed on Henrik Zetterberg. Every single team passed on Pavel Datsuk. In the eighties, every single team passed on the Pavel Bure and the Russian yeah. players. Like, these things happen. Like, whether it's due to the political situation, the social situation, or just them having other players up their draft board. You know, like. Teams are going to pick other players. Like, not every team's going to have a perfect 100% scouting record. That's not yeah. the point. 
Yeah. The fact is, you've got to do with the best that you've got. And yeah, Pavel Zaka, is, was that the best pick for them? Of course it wasn't. They could have picked yeah, Matthew Barzell. But you could, also make the argument that, you could also make the argument that if Barzell came to the Devils and Zaka went to the Islanders, the two players might have had completely different careers. You don't know. We wouldn't have gotten Nico. There's no guarantee we still would have gotten Nico this year. There's no guarantee we still would have gotten Jack Hughes. So again, like this is just how it goes. So bottom line is Devils fans, just to kind of wrap up this little thing here, because we have a couple more players that we still need to uh, still need to talk about is that look, whenever you see your team make a draft pick, whether it's the, you know, your first round pick, second, third, fourth, doesn't matter. You have to give them an opportunity to at least, to at least think in your mind, okay, why did they draft him? What does he bring to the table? What could he project to be? Okay, and then just go from it that way because there's so many players that Devils fans don't even know about, and that's why we're bringing them up here because most fans, I'm sure, are listening going, you know, I really didn't even know he was on this team. Like, I don't even know who this guy is. So, And the next guy I'm bringing up is somebody that I know damn well, not a single Devils fan that I know knows yeah. anything about this guy. Like, honestly. Yeah. And that's no knock on the guy. This is just reality. And that is, and I'm really, I really hope I say his name right. Itu Pakila, I believe. Pakila. I mean, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> he is Finnish, okay? Yep. And by the way, this is without a doubt one of my favorite names on this team, on the double. Yep. This is a great name. He's a left winger who plays for Ilv, Ilvis in Liga. Yeah, I've, I've, I've said it, I've pronounced it several different ways and every single time I have a Finnish fan telling me that I've pronounced it wrong. So just pronounce so, it however you want to pronounce it. Right, and, so, and he plays in Liga, which is the, to, I believe it is the top Finnish league yep. in that yep. country, Liga, which yep. is the same Liga. league yep. that Kapo Kaka was playing in yep. before he came over to the NHL, which for those of you that don't understand, that is a professional league. That is not a junior league. That is not like, that is like the top tier. They, they're playing against men. So they have an advantage. That was why people said Capo Caco was more NHL ready because he played against men throughout the majority of his younger years. But for E2, he was a 2018 seventh-round pick, so another seventh-round pick, 203rd overall. And last year he played in 57 games. And honestly, his stats are pretty solid considering what he did. 11 goals, 14 assists for 25 points. And as of right now, not surprisingly, he is not – Signed that again does not mean that the devils won't sign him, yeah, it, it, exactly. I mean, I mean, looking at this type of player, and it's, it's really good that you bring up the fact that these European players, especially the Finnish Liga, the Swedish Hockey League, the KHL, uh, the Swiss National League, yeah. they are playing against men, like that is a big factor in a lot of these players' careers, so right. it works both ways. That you can, like you mentioned, make the argument, oh, this guy should probably be picked higher than this guy because one guy was playing against teenagers and the other guy was playing against men. It works that way. And also, uh, you can argue that it flips the other way. Oh, this guy is a 18, 19-year-old and he scored 11 points in 39 games, which isn't the most productive, but it's his first season playing against men. So, like, there you go. You're, you're an 18, 19-year-old kid and you're being, you're being hit along the boards by a 27, 28-year-old who's played 300, 400 league games, maybe even played in the NHL for 100 games or so. Right. You know, you're going up against some of the best players in the world. And I, I, the one thing I would really like people to take from a, a show like this where I'm on and talking about European hockey is the fact that just because you don't play in the NHL doesn't mean you're not a successful hockey player. Thank like you. You, can, you can carve Thank yourself out a very, very successful career in Europe. There is plenty of high-paying leagues, I might add. I mean, for context, a lot of the guys that might get one-year, $1 million contracts in the NHL will get paid quite handsomely in some of these European leagues. 
it's kind of like the NHL can take advantage of the fact that it's, oh, we're the NHL, we're the best league in the world, which they are. There's no dispute on that at all. But they could go and sign a three-year contract in the Swiss league and get, actually get paid more. So, right. you know, it's, it works both ways. But right. with, with, uh, with uh, e I'll call him E2 because his last name's... I've, I've, I just said E2 because I, I'm like... And I feel like someone's going to tell me that that's not even how you say his name. Oh, yeah, for I'm sure. Gonna be I mean, and I'm like, well, uh, look, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful. I just want to make sure I properly say his name. Oh, 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 definitely. I mean, Chris and I on our on our uh, podcast on, on Europuck, we, we very much say at the beginning of every episode, look, we're two English guys. We only know English. If we pronounce a name wrong, we're probably going to. You I'm, can tell us that we pronounced it wrong. I, we can try and get it right the next time. Are we going to? Probably not. We'll I'm, an Amer- I'm an American, and everyone knows, everyone knows that Americans usually don't say these, name, these <laughs> names wrong. I mean, look at every other sport that we have in this country. You know, especially like yeah. baseball with a lot of players from, you know, uh, Latin, Latin American countries. Yeah. Sometimes we screw it up. Most yeah. of the time we screw it up. So it's fine. You know, I remember the first time I saw Shvechnikov's name. I, I called him Shvechninok and I really felt bad about it because someone was like, <laughs> no, it's Shvechnikov. And I go, yeah. oh, got it. You know, yeah, so I mean, I mean, like, I mean all, all it takes is for some to go, oh, just to let you know, this is how you pronounce it. And you're like, okay, sure. Right, no, but yeah. the way, it, you know, being an American, the way it usually is personified is that we're just, you know, we just clearly didn't try. <laughs> and to be fair, sometimes we don't. Sometimes yeah. we don't. But we, you know, if this guy is going to be in the NHL with the Devils, I, Damn well, I'm gonna make sure I know his name. You'll, you'll know it. You'll know it if he makes it to the NHL for right. sure, because you'll hear it a lot more often as well. Oh, but, without a doubt. I mean, I mean, looking at this player, um, he spent a lot of the season, well, a kind of the, the third of the season or so, in the Mestis League, which is essentially Finland's AHL, kind of their minor league affiliate. Mm-hmm. Went on loan to them, and he was almost a point per game. So that's a good sign. In fact, in the second tier. Um, Finnish league he was uh, a point per game um, in the 18-19 season he played in an under 20 league and went over a point per game so so if you stuck him I mean this is a hypothetical situation but if you stuck him in the OHL the WHL the QMJHL you could expect over a point per game from this guy right now right, he's exactly. refining his game against adults against legitimate professional Finnish players 11 points in 39 games once again is a pretty impressive rookie season in the league compared to the fact that he played one game in the Liga during the 17-18 season. That was his entire pro hockey experience up until the last season. So, obviously, once again with one of these guys, he's 20 years old. He's 6 foot, 172 pounds. He's not the biggest guy out there, but he knows how to score goals. He's shown that throughout his time in Finland. He knows how to put the puck in the back of the net. Yes, there should be some reservations with the fact that he was a seventh-round pick. But once again, I mean, if he carries on playing well, if he carries on, you know, producing well in the Liga, then he, he could have an opportunity to compete for an NHL roster, you know? Like, he, he's, a, he's a good-looking player. You just need to kind of give him a few more years. Like all the other players we've mentioned so far, you just got to give these guys some time to play in their systems, refine yeah. their games, learn what it takes to be a legitimate top player in the world. Because mm-hmm. these guys are trying to break into a league where – some of the they're playing against the top 100 150 200 players in the entire world like there's only so many spaces that you can have for something like that you know it's it's just one of those situations you know without a doubt and one thing i will mention to devil's fans in case nobody nobody remembers this i believe jesper brett who is arguably one of our best wingers um was a sixth or seventh round pick in his draft year so yeah, sixth, yeah. So yeah, I believe it was sixth round. And he was drafted, I think, a year or two, actually a year before Nico Hishier. 
And he was a yeah. rookie the same year that Nico came in. And nobody remembers that. Not a single person, I think, at this point remembers, oh, Jesper Bratt was a sixth-round pick. He wasn't even in the top five rounds. So you can find talent everywhere. You can find talent every single part of the NHL draft. That's why they have seven rounds. They are trying to, to give these teams an opportunity to find talent in all facets of every single round. That's why you'll see teams at times want to stack up on draft picks because if they project them and say, okay, there's even some guys in the sixth round that we really, really want to go get, let's try to go get as many picks or try to trade up so that we can get one of these guys. You know, that's the way I, that's the way I look at it. But I really, I don't know why, but of all the guys that I have on my list, he seems to be the guy that I'm really like the most excited about. And maybe it's because of the point per game thing that happened with him and all, you know, and everything. And the fact that he still put up 20 plus points against men in his first year, is still very, very productive. And I'm looking, I'm definitely going to try to keep my eye on him if I can find any way to see him play. Um, I'd like to see how he continues to um, to progress. And I also am a big fan of Finnish hockey players. So I usually get really excited about – like, I don't know why it is, but, like, every time I'm told it's, like, a really good Finnish player, I get very excited. And maybe it's because of my fandom of, like, Temu Solani and maybe, guys like yeah, – you know, yeah. I, I love Patrick Laine, obviously. Yeah. Um, there's a couple other guys that escape me at the moment, but still, I mean, it's, you know, it's good that, you know, we have different guys in different places. Now the next guy is somebody that Devils fans actually know because he's been in training camp last year. He's been in a development camp several times. He actually is a very productive player. And that is Marion Studenik, who right now is on loan. So again, the Devils still own his rights. He's still, you know, he's, He's, he's still with the Devils. He plays for HC Slovan Bratislava, which is in Slovakia. And he is a, 17, 17, a 2017 fifth-round pick, 143rd overall. And last year, he played the majority of the season with the Binghamton Devils, getting in 37 games with nine goals, eight assists, 17 points, especially towards the second half of the season when the Devils had won something like 11, 12, or 13 games in a row and we're pretty much going to make the playoffs if there was one. But obviously, Studenik is a little bit older. He has a little bit more experience playing in the Devils organization. Uh, but right now, he's going over uh, to play. I believe he is from Slovakia, if my memory. I think he's going back yes, he home. Is. Yeah, yeah, he's from so Slovakia. He's playing yeah. in his home, home country, which is good, obviously. Um, but talk to us a little bit more. Like, I guess my question to you basically would be, do you think Studenik has the opportunity – or has the has the chance to really compete for a spot next you know next training camp whenever that is considering that he has that experience playing in the AHL I think of all the players that we've looked at so far I think he has the most likely opportunity especially given the fact that he's played the last 2 years in the AHL and he's only 21 years old so He's a guy that, you know, he put up 28 points his first year in the A, 17 points this year, but pretty much the same pace. If he played the same amount of games this year, he would have been on for maybe slightly higher pace, kind of hit 30 points perhaps. But I think it's important to mention his international stats are as well are pretty good. He played with Slovakia in the World Championships in 2018-19, mm -hmm. five points in seven games. That's not under 18s. That's not under 20s. That's the World Championships. So he played in 13 other international games with Slovakia. Yep. scored seven points in 13 games as well. So he's had that experience playing against some of the top international players in the world as well. 
um, the World Championships obviously playing against a lot of NHL guys that mm -hmm. their teams didn't make the playoffs or, or their teams were eliminated from the playoffs in the earlier rounds. I think it's important to mention with a guy like this, this, this trip home, if he needs this, could do him a world of good. This is the first time in about four years he's going to be playing back home. He, mm -hmm. he came over to North America in the 2016 season, played in the OHL for a couple of years, then has obviously moved to, to Binghamton where he's played uh, in the AHL for the last two years. He could go home. HC Slovan Bratislava, which you did a great pronunciation of the name, by the way. That was great. Thank I'm you. very impressed with that. Thank um, you. He, he, he's, that's a team that used to be in the KHL, I think is important to mention. Um, so they have had experience. They, they've had experience of playing against the top teams in, in Europe or some of the top Russian teams in Europe. Mm -hmm. they've, also had, they've also had experience of knowing what it takes to be a very well-run organization that knows how to develop its prospects and everything like that. So... I think of all the players kind of that the Devils might be looking at out of the ones we've looked at, thinking, did, could this one compete for a roster spot maybe next yeah. season? I, I think Studenik is probably the most likely, given the fact that he's kind of grinded it out in the A for the last two years. That could be a really good indicator to show, look, he's playing pretty well in the minors. Let's give the guy a chance. Right. Obviously, we have a couple more spots on the on the defensive side that need to be filled. And, you know, we're, we've definitely been talking about we have a couple of young guys that we think – will legitimately make the team. But obviously we need to fill some holes at the bottom six as well. And I think that Studenik could be one of those guys that, you know, depending on obviously how he does, how he, how he plays, you know, back home, you know, could really make a, a case. And I think he is signed uh, by the Devils. So I think his contract, or I think he's signed. If my, I don't I, have I think the contract runs out at the end of this year. Yeah, so right. Exactly. This upcoming season. Yeah. Right. So they, I think he was one of those guys that the Devils signed almost immediately after they drafted him. So they clearly were high on him, even though he was a you know, late round pick, they were very yeah. high on him, which again, guys, it can happen. Like you could really love a guy in the sixth round and be like, okay, we're signing you now. Like we're not waiting. We're not going to do like, we're just going to do it now. So, you know, I agree. I think that Studenik has a really legitimate chance of competing. I mean, he has the experience playing in this organization. The Devils know him. Tom Fitzgerald was the general manager of the Binghamton Devils before he eventually became the general manager of the New Jersey Devils. So he had a pretty good experience watching this kid play. Yeah. So he's very high on him. And I'm sure because of the fact that the Devils want to continue to get younger, he might be one of those guys that the Devils could very well be, you know, in that whole plan going forward. Um, the next guy is another player that plays for a Dynamo team in the KHL, and that is Igor Sharon Govic. Govic or Govic? I'm going to say it's Govic, as my guess. I would assume it's Govic, but sure. Govic, yeah. But, yeah. but he is, um, interestingly enough, for those of you that don't know, uh, he is our first and only Belarus player. So that I don't think the Devils have ever had a player from Belarus before, so I think right. he's the first. He was signed he signed for this year, the 2020-21 season. He was a 2018 fifth round pick, 141st overall. And last year playing for the Binghamton Devils, played in 57 games with 10 goals, 15 assists, and 25 points. And he is on loan to Dynamo, by the way. And one thing I want to point out is that he played really well with Yanni Kwokinen, who the Devils acquired in the Sammy Vatanen trade from the Carolina Hurricanes. Once Yanni Kokinen came over, who, by the way, Yanni Kokinen was the top player in the AHL when the Devils got him, he immediately developed a really good chemistry with him. And as a result, they were able to put up a good amount of points. 
Igor was not doing very well early on in the season, but then again, nobody really was on Binghamton. But that second half of the year, especially when Yanni came over to, New- to Binghamton, he started to really almost become a point-per-game type of guy. He's another player that could legitimately get an invite to training camp whenever that is. And, you know, again, this is another very fascinating individual that is still very young. And being a centerman and knowing that we need help on the bottom six, this would be a guy to watch out for. I, I completely agree. And I think uh, kind of similar to Studenik that we mentioned before, the fact that he has played the last couple of seasons with Binghamton, the fact that uh, Tom Fitzgerald, it's Tom Fitzgerald, isn't it? Tom Fitzgerald, correct. Yep. Yeah, so the fact that Tom Fitzgerald, he's aware of these guys. He has a very good sense of the the prospects in their right. AHL system. He, he's probably looking at these guys and going, you know what? Like we've got a couple of good younger players here that if we sign them on for... Uh, another season or two, they could develop into bottom six guys. I mean, just look at the difference in his stats between his first year in Binghamton and his second year. And obviously the fact that he found this chemistry late in the most recent season is an important factor. But just for context, 17 points in his first year, but a minus 17. That's uh, that's something you want to notice. Then the second year, he not, he not only improved his point production in less games, he's a plus 13. So he's a difference of plus 20 in the space of one season. Right. Obviously, having a, having a top AHL player come in in the second half of the season is going to help that out quite a lot. Mm-hmm. But as a sentiment, that's quite an important stat to think about, yeah. the plus minus of a player, because a sentiment's expected to play more of a 200-foot game than some of yeah. the other forward uh, positions in, in the league. So, yeah. And I, I think it's interesting to see that he's been, he's been loaned to Dinamo Minsk of Belarus, which... They've been having a few issues at the moment, but that's a whole nother conversation in terms of... <laughs> we can have a completely in- different episode about all of that. Literally, yeah. There, there, yeah. There's been a lot of stuff going on in Belarus over the last few uh, weeks and months. Unfortunately, um, right. And, and, I, and I hope that things continue to improve because that does... Yes. Just, Especially for Dinamo Minsk that will want to play some hockey games, hopefully right. very soon, which they... Right. Well, it looks at the moment some teams are a little bit hesitant to play them given the, the current situation. But anyway, um, Dinamo Minsk, he's played with them three seasons ago and he scored 12 points in 47 games as a 19-year-old. As a 19-year-old in the best league in Europe. Now, Dinamo Minsk, I, I will put the caveat out there. They've been in the KHL since the very beginning, but they're not a very good team. I will put the caveat out there. Ooh. They're a team that's made the playoffs four times in 12 years, never Ooh. made it out of the first round. They very much... Usually they're kind of the seventh, eighth seed and they come up against the big guns in St. Petersburg, Moscow, you know, like all of the big hitters of the, of the Western Conference. So they never usually make it far. It's usually a five-game series, if not a sweep, something like that. But yeah. he's, not a, he's not a guy that's going to be on their team the entire season, hopefully. And he's not going to be a guy that's kind of, he's relied on to be their number one superstar to help them get back to the playoffs and hopefully win a championship. He's going to be a guy that, provided he plays well for the team and they've liked him in training camp, he's going to get a lot of minutes and he might become a reliable guy or a guy that they do depend on, Mm -hmm. but he's still a young guy at 22. They know that he's still a young guy that needs to refine his game. And if he can improve his numbers from his first year in the KHL, keep building off that success that he had late in the season uh, with the, with the, uh, the Binghamton Devils and with the success he had with his new line mates, that's going to do the world of good for him. And once again, kind of the same as a student, you could see him, compete quite legitimately for a roster spot on the bottom six for the Devils next season, which wouldn't be a bad thing, especially because Fitzgerald knows him quite well as well. 
And that to me is the big reason why I think they were put on loan because clearly if they were put on loan, that to me signifies, okay, they really like these guys and they want them to keep playing. They want them to be in shape. And these guys probably are going to be in training camp when we get underway with that. I would not be surprised. There isn't, I don't think there's going to be a developmental camp for any team. Not that I think, I, I mean, I, don't, I just don't think it's going to happen, but I could be totally wrong. Um, you know, so if both of these guys got put on load, that clearly means the Devils are high on them and that they want them to keep playing and continuing to get better. And playing in the second best hockey league in the world in the KHL will certainly help guys like, you know, Igor. So that's, that's very good. Now, the last guy that I want to talk about is somebody that Devils fans have actually seen play with New Jersey, and he'll obviously be always remembered for being one of the guys acquired in the Taylor Hall trade, and that is Nick Merkley, who is a right right winger, but also he can play center. So he's a little, you know, he has a little bit of, um, I guess you would call a, um, I guess you call it like a Swiss Army knife type of player, you yeah. know, a guy that can do yeah. a multitude of different things and be in different roles, which is important. Uh, but like I said, acquired in the Taylor Hall trade, uh, the Devils do have his rights. He technically is not signed for this season, but the Devils have his signing rights, and he is loaned to Asset? Asset? I, I call it Asset, but I'm not sure Asset. if that's correct. I'm Which go is Asset, also you know. in the Finnish, in the Finnish Liga, so obviously he will be going there. For the Devils, he played in just four games with a goal and assist and a gigantic um, cut to the eye, or I think he got into a fight and got a massive you know, black eye from it. From what I remember. Yeah, no, if you type in Nick Merkley Devils, one of the pictures I'm sure will be of him with a gigantic bruised eye um, from what I remember. But in both of his time playing with the Roadrunners, which is the Phoenix Coyotes, um, AHL affiliate, and the Binghamton Devils, he played a total of 54 games with 11 goals, 24 assists for 35 points. So if you want to talk about a point production, he's the best player point-wise that we've talked about. This guy, you know, even though he's going over to, you know, Liga, I think it's good for him because it continues to keep him playing. And again, he's on loan. So one, so the Devils have made it clear that they want to keep him and they think highly of him. So they want him to go over to there. And I also just got an update that Yanni Kwokinen is in talks with a team in Finland to possibly go on loan with them. So again, another player that is a very, very solid player, was very good in his time in New Jersey uh, for a little bit. And, you know, I think it's good that, that we have guys going on loan playing in other places, continuing to play because we just don't know when next season starts. But Nick Merkley is another guy that I, I want to keep my eye on. And I, I think I think it's good that you mentioned that the, the – um the management team of the devils want these guys to go over because they think quite highly of these guys. We also don't know whether Tom Fitzgerald and his team might've said, look, we want you to go over and play in Europe, go find yourself a team, go play. But they might've said something along the lines of when you come back, we want this part of your game to be better. So they might be going with specific objectives in right. terms of, Oh, I need to get better at my face-offs. Oh, I need to get better foot speed. I need to get more physical. I need to put on some more weight. I need to right. be better when I'm off the puck. I need to be more defensively minded. They might be going over there thinking, okay, I need to refine this area of my game if I want to make it to the NHL. So they can work with these teams in Europe and be like, look, my coach uh, overseas told me I need to work on my face-offs. Can mm -hmm. we 
at the end of practice every day do some face-off drills you know like right. obviously like that, that that might be just with that, that that one player or all the centers obviously you don't know how the, the right. layout of each of the um, each of the teams goes but the one thing I will say about Nick Merkley I think he's the one person that the, the expectations are quite high for him when when he's overseas I would expect to see roughly uh, if, if he goes well under a point per game I'd be disappointed right I think I mean, it would be a concern because obviously he's gonna yeah. have pressure being one of the guys that the Devils acquired in the Taylor Hall trade yeah. we all want him to help justify the decision to trade Taylor Hall so that we get our assets. You know, Kevin Ball is the big piece of this entire deal. Other than the first first round pick that we got, Kevin Ball is the guy that we're really like hoping that he can be exactly what they say he is. And then you have Nick Merkley who has just as much pressure because you want these guys to to make your team and justify the trade as a whole. Absolutely. And I think the fact that he's the oldest player of the ones we've talked about at 23 years old, he's a former first round pick where he's drafted a lot higher than anybody else uh, that we've talked about. Right. So obviously he's had those expectations for the last five years. And to be brutally honest, he hasn't lived up to them yet. He hasn't lived up to being a 30th overall pick in the draft yet. He, he played one NHL game before coming to the Devils. Yeah. Granted, his stint with the Devils last season was pretty successful. You know, two points in four games, that's not a bad stretch. Yeah, he, However, he got into like two fights as well. So he clearly, he wanted to prove himself. That was exactly. what he did when he came and played four games. And that was really important. I think it showed a lot that he proved himself very well through only playing four games with the big club. But to be honest, he needs to keep proving himself if he wants right. to make it to the Devils next season. I think he needs to have a good showing here for Assat in the Liga because the Liga, I would put below the AHL in terms of the quality on the ice. That's not a knock on the Finnish Liga at all. There are lots of very good players in the AHL, as we've seen, like former first-round picks that are not necessarily going a point per game in the AHL. They do have some pretty difficult competition to go up against so mm -hmm. the fact that he scored like almost like 19 points in 28 games to finish the year with uh, Binghamton that's that's a good sign but one thing that does kind of worry me is the fact that pretty much the last few years he's been a minus player so right. only just it's not a huge minus but you got to keep that in mind maybe he goes overseas like look we want you to be on the ice for more goals you need to help generate more stuff you need to come back and help on the defensive side of the puck a little bit more if you want to make it to the NHL. Right. I think he's a guy that I, he, he's probably going to get the biggest look out of anybody on this just for the caliber from the trade that he was acquired in from the fact that he has played at the NHL level when all of these other players haven't. Mm -hmm. He's a guy that if you were, if I was Nick Merkley and I knew all of this stuff and I, and, and I knew that I had the chance to make it to the NHL Mm -hmm. You would hope that he would be thinking, right, I really need to grab this opportunity by the horns and I need to just go out there and play in the Finnish Liga, just destroy the league if I can, just, yeah. you know, like rack up points night in, night out, show that I can play against men, show that I, I know how to use my skills and go and produce the points and be a vital player for them. Because yeah. obviously that will suck for Asat when the season starts again and he has to leave. Um, however... Then, obviously, the, the New Jersey Devils management, they, they're keeping an eye on these guys. They've got so many prospects overseas, and their team isn't playing any hockey anytime right. soon. So their primary thing is thinking, okay, let's, let's reevaluate the assets that we've already got. Mm -hmm. Who's playing well and we should keep an eye on? Who are the guys that are kind of disappointing us? But you definitely want Nick Merkley to be in the former conversation rather than the latter. It's, it's, just, it's just something that you really hope 
for kind of for his sake, you don't want him to be one of those guys that's like taken in the 2015 draft, which is a pretty good draft. And right. then one, one of the only guys that doesn't really make it. I right. think the fact that he's had that change of scenery to New Jersey might help him because Arizona has kind of been, it's kind of been a very hot and cold team in terms of um, <laughs> developing assets in terms right. of, you know, some guys, they hit the ground running. Some guys, they pick quite high and they just don't work out, which once again is the dangers of drafting players. It happens to every team. But yeah, I, I think if Merkley has a good year in, in Finland, yeah. this will set him up for a pretty good stint with the New Jersey Devils, you know? Absolutely. And, uh, and well, first of all, I, I want to say to you, my friend, thank you so much for doing this. This was great. No worries, man. I mean, this was great. You know, it's good. I wanted to give Devils fans an opportunity to learn more about some of the players, you know, that we don't really know that much about because they're young and they may not, you know, we, we don't know when they might get an opportunity to come and play for New Jersey, but it's important to shed light on it and shed light also on some other leagues, which I think is important as well. So, but before I let you go, as I do with all my guests, talk to us about how people can find you, you know, everywhere. You know, I know you got a YouTube channel, you got the, the Euro Puck podcast and everything, just Give us everything. Just give us everything so that people can check you out more. Sure. Um, so the best place, I think, to find me and kind of get a sense of what I'm all about is my YouTube channel, like Neil mentioned, um, at uh, the – what's it called? Um, at Odd Man Rush. Um, that's a good place to start. <laughs> I was going to say, um, you forget your, you forget your um, name. <laughs> yeah, I know. Tell me about it. Um, Odd Man Rush is the best place to start. I upload two videos a week, uh, NHL primarily – I, I like to kind of think of myself as a bit of a hockey historian, hockey storyteller, you know, like telling interesting stories throughout the NHL's history, um, yeah. you know, because there's lots of YouTubers out there that do like the recent stuff, like trade deadlines and um, uh, like would you rather's and things like that. I like to kind of fill my bit as like the, oh, here's an interesting story that I've learned about that yeah. some of you guys might find interesting as well. So um, that's very much what I like to do on that channel. So if you're interested in that, check me out on Odd Man Rush um also brits on bruins um we're probably not going to be running that next season uh we're kind of uh migrating more to just euro puck um, right. but for the next few weeks kind of uh, while we figure stuff out come and check us out on brits on bruins sure. we're gonna ha hold a bit of a memorial service this year for the fact that our season's over at the hands of the tampa bay lightning um which Ooh. you know it sucks but what can you do if you're going to lose to a team losing to a team like tampa is a pretty good way to go out yeah um, and yeah, if, if check us out at the Europuck podcast. We literally just released our second episode today yep. as we're recording this. So it would have been out for a couple of days as this episode Absolutely. goes out, I would imagine. If you want right. to learn about uh, in this most recent episode, the Russian KHL, the Polish League, any interesting stories about the international hockey area, European hockey, come and check us out. I mean, we want to talk about all things European hockey. We know we have lots of North Americans that want to know about NHL prospects. We have lots of guys from various European leagues wanting to know about other European leagues. So we're kind of hoping to scratch that itch for European hockey for anybody that wants to know about it, you know? So yeah, come check us out. Without a doubt. Well, well, Admin Rush, it is absolutely an honor and a pleasure that you came on today and, and spoke with us. Um, I will say, like I mentioned before, I've been a, I've been a subscriber to your YouTube channel for quite some time. Um, I know you posted a video a couple of weeks ago about the lowest attended NHL game, uh, which involved the Devils and the Calgary Flames, the 334 Club, which we yep. still we still have some people that are around from the 334 Club. So it's it's a it's a big thing. I know you just posted one, you know, less about about a day ago, uh, the other Stall brother, which is about. Jared Stahl, in case anybody didn't know that he played. Um, 
but I think also it was great because you also did um, I, and I don't know if you I don't know if you're still doing it, but the NHL Slapshot Pee Wee to Pro series, which I think is absolutely hysterical and entertaining to watch. Because trust me, I've done the same thing: playing on hard level, doing all that is tough. I know yeah. how tough it is. So, but I absolutely love it. I love all of your content. Um, and I know this is just me being, you know, uh, crazy. But if you ever need someone to come on and help you. Um, you know, narrate a video or something like that. I would absolutely <laughs> love to do that with you. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm sure we'll we'll figure something out at some point. I mean, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Like, uh, it's it, I've I've got a variety of different responses from uh, like the people on other shows on the network. Yeah. Um, I've had a couple of people. You're not the first person to be like oh my god it's odd man rush and i'm just like <laughs> look, i'm just some like british guy that just talks about hockey like i'm really right. nothing special guys but it's it, it, it's nice to know that like even within the network there's a lot of sort of cross viewing right. from sh one show to the next or whether it's youtube content or, mm -hmm. or other shows on the network like i was talking to the uh detroit red wings host matt yesterday and he was like oh i watched your first episode of Europuck. i absolutely loved it i'm gonna keep watching it. i was like i wasn't expecting like other people on the network to be watching like our show in terms of like the oh yeah we do like oh i was like oh you guys must be like super busy like doing your own shows but like the fact that some of you were like oh yeah well like we're going to tune into as many shows as possible like mm -hmm. we love this show we're going to tune it's like damn like that's really cool like your contemporaries yeah. like listening into your own content and kind of yeah. kind of cheering you on just as much as like anybody else's yeah. that that's that's a great feeling so yeah i appreciate it yeah. thanks yeah no problem yeah you know i i've had the same experience that you had you know i remember when i interviewed Jonas hiller a couple weeks ago a lot of people in the network were like, oh, I listened to the episode. It was awesome. Like, you know, you, you would think that obviously we're all so busy with, you know, getting guests and doing our own podcast. But the reality is that we're, we're, we're just this like one big happy hockey family, so to speak. Yeah. We all just want to support each other as much as possible. I told myself that I wanted to make it a goal to try to get on every single podcast on the network, you know, you know at some point. So I'm still, I'm still working my ways uh, uh, through it. Um, and, uh, and obviously every single one, I, I tell the guys all the time, if you guys need a guest and you got nothing else, I'd be more than happy to, uh, to jump on and, and, and talk about hockey and not just the devils. You know, I can talk about whatever, whatever everybody wants to talk about is totally cool with me. But, um, but again, uh, thank you so much, man, for coming on today. We appreciate it. And we'll, and without a doubt, we'll definitely have you on again. Thanks, man. Yeah, no worries. I'll happy come on whenever you want. Just let me know and I'll be there. Sounds good, my friend. Take care. So once again, thank you so much to Oddman Rush for coming on and speaking to us about some of the prospects that are over in Europe right now representing the New Jersey Devils. I got to tell you, from talking with Oddman, this is, there is a lot of excitement with these players. I'm very interested to see how they do in their upcoming seasons, whether they're on loan or, or playing the whole year over there. And hopefully all of them, but in, if that's not the case, a few of them are able to really have productive seasons and really make a, an attempt to come over to New Jersey and make an attempt to try to get into the big league roster. So we're definitely going to be keeping our eye on all of those players without a doubt. And with that being said, that'll wrap it up for this edition of Devil's State of Mind. Thank you guys so much. As always, as I say all the time for you guys listening to this, I appreciate all the love and support that you guys give me, you know, whether you're a Devil's fan or not. And if you just are here supporting, you know, me personally, thank you guys so much. It really does mean the world to me. If you want to check out more of this podcast, here's what you do. You go on anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can go to SoundCloud, you can go to Spotify, you can go to Google Podcasts, iTunes, and so much more. Just search Hockey Podcast Network 
or Devil's State of Mind, and you can check out the new episodes that we post every single Monday morning. So again, that's a, that's one of the ways you can check it, check us out and listen to every new episode and just new episodes of every single team-based podcast we have on the network. We have a lot of great hosts, a lot of great content that we're going to be continuing to offer you guys. So I hope you guys are in it for the long haul because the, the best is yet to come. I would say that 100%. The best is yet to come, you know, with this hockey podcast network. So you want to, you want to jump on now, you know, to be one of, one of the longtime people. So please go check that out. You can also just go to hockeypodcastnetwork.org and you can check out all the, all the podcasts there. Uh, we have a Twitter account for the Devil's State of Mind podcast at Devil State. We have an Instagram at Devil's State of Mind. And we also have a Facebook page, Devil's State of Mind. And all of those, you can stay up to date as well with the new episodes every single Monday. You can also just interact with me, you know, and, and talk to me about Devil's Hockey and things that are going on. And I love having discussions with the fans and everybody who's there supporting this podcast. So please go and follow those accounts as well and interact with me there. I would love to hear from you guys. If you want to just check out more of myself, you can check me out on the Mofobo Network podcast, which is a sports podcast that I do covering all things going on in the world of sports. It's available on Anchor and Spotify. Just search Mofobo Network and you will see it. We also have a YouTube channel, Mofobo Network Presents, where we post a new video every single Wednesday. So just like the podcast, just type in Mofobo Network and you'll find it. We have a lot of great you know, content that's coming out over the next couple of weeks. So you guys definitely want to like it, subscribe to that and check it out. And just like the Devil's State of Mind, we have a Facebook page for Mofobo Network where you can stay up to date with new podcast episodes as well as new YouTube videos. So please go and search that, like it, subscribe. I would greatly appreciate it. And last but certainly, certainly not least, Go check out my book on Amazon and also Barnes and Noble right now, J-E-T-S, Pain, Pain, Pain. For those of you that don't understand, it's a book about the pain and suffering of being a New York Jets fan. So all the painful memories, player decisions, you know, players in general, and so much more about the Jets from a fan's perspective. So please go check that out. It's available for hardcover and ebook for the price of $19.69. And if you're a Jets fan or even a football fan, you probably guessed why I chose that price. So if you're a football fan, a Jets fan, if you know someone who's one of those, or if you just want to support me, please go check it out. Again, J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 on both Amazon and Barnes & Noble. So thank you guys very much for checking out this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast, and we will see you in the next episode. As always, continue to remain safe out there during this difficult time with the COVID-19 pandemic. We are still, you know, we still got a lot of work to do in order to flatten the curve and find a vaccine so we can start being allowed to freely go out and, and feel safe doing so. Um, you know, we're trying to get there and just continue to listen to your health officials, wear a mask, practice social distancing as best as you can, continue to do those things because that will help us get there much sooner rather than later. And also shout out to all the essential workers out there and also just people out there trying to make a difference in the world day in and day out, whether it's with the COVID-19 pandemic or with the constant fight for social justice for you know, black people and people of color in this country, without a doubt, you know, continue to do that because you guys are amazing. You know, your work does not go unnoticed. We all, I certainly appreciate all of you guys and I love you guys very, very much. So again, thank you to everybody who listened today. And rock on. Woo!